Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of Between Players. My name is Zach, and with me tonight is my brother, Robert. We're going to be talking about uh, a gameplay loop as a, the first part of a series involving the looter-shooter uh, uh, sort of game mechanic. And one of, well, looter-shooters, or really looter uh, RPG games. And the title we're going to be, or titles, I should say, series we're going to be talking about tonight is the Diablo series by Blizzard. Uh, we have both spent literal years playing the series and uh i think it's had a pretty profound impact on the types of games that we choose to play today um we can feel its fingerprints in um titles that we've played since then uh things like borderlands um uh, the division which are obviously like shooter variations of the same concept uh the torchlight series also is another great example but the granddaddy of them all Diablo is uh, just genuinely unique. That it is. <laughs> Wouldn't <laughs> you agree? <laughs> well, I feel like most of my opinions have been stated for me at this point, but oh boy! Since you decided to ask, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know that Diablo necessarily invented the idea of. Um, a loot dependent RPG, but um, it's definitely become kind of like a, a touchstone for the genre and their sauce that they created um, for generating um, kind of like progressively randomized dungeons. Every time you boot the game, you're in the same area, but it's different. Um, that kind of style of gameplay, I recall as being, um, one of the one of, if not the first of its kind, um, not just the dungeon crawler overhead, but um, the actual randomized level generation system was something very new for me uh, as a player when I was growing up. Um, and this not only the style of dungeon crawling, which has been readapted with uh, Van Helsing, Grim Dawn, um, oh yeah, the Torchlight series. Um, even games like uh, Divinity and Divinity 2 kind of herald to that style um, of gameplay aesthetically. Um, but, I, you know, I can recall from D1 and D2 that you pretty much had to have um, a decent gear set or you were SOL. Yeah, and part of that, uh, yeah, part of that, uh, uh, part of the system, and one thing that, uh, one thing that I, uh, a lot of players lament the absence of is the level randomization. It's sort of funny to think of it, about it now. Um, we see it in a lot of other games in the contemporary, but they're mostly um, like action platformers, like Spelunky. Um, where there are world generating tiles, but Diablo is like another really interesting uh, starting place for that to be like a major piece of it. Every time you, um, every time you uh, booted up the game, essentially you're getting a new version of uh, the, a new configuration of tiles for uh, the separate levels of below Tristram's uh, church. Uh, and then eventually when you, in Diablo 2, you'd get the 
<clears throat> excuse me, the overworld organization of tiles would all be uh, randomized also. And that that is something that a lot of people kind of bemoan the loss of in D3. But I think, uh, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll come back to this in, in a little bit, but I think, yeah, as you pointed out, like there's, there, it wasn't the, the randomized loot drop wasn't necessarily the primary focus initially, but it is, it is definitely the thing that they've honed in on. It's like this, uh, this, uh, gameplay loop of fight monsters, loot drops, you get nicer loot and you keep fighting and keep finding nicer loot, etc. until your uh, until your guy is or gal is totally, uh, stacked up with, you know, the best monster slaying, uh, weapons of manage, uh, manage, imaginable, Ima- Im- imaginable, manageable, manage, manageable. Um, and really your only barrier at that point is space in your, um, trunk of holding, which in, in D3, you can just like purchase further expansions to continue to, or, you know, like expansion chests to continue to like just dump garbage, <laughs> dump garbage into it mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. may or may not use at some point. Yeah. And it, you know, uh, in comparison to something like, um, let's say fallout, you are still dependent on the gear that you have. Um, but your gear dependence is definitely diminished uh, in comparison. Like you can play an unarmed playthrough um, if you stack your character right. And at that point, you just need like a decent set of armor so that you're not just getting wasted every time someone uh, comes at you with a decent weapon. Mm. Um, you can run up and bludgeon someone to death with your bare fists if you so choose. Um, you definitely don't really have that option with Diablo. Like you're, no. you are very dependent on your gear. You have to have um, good gear to survive. It's not really a luxury. Um, whereas some other RPGs, the RPG element is really kind of the dominant driving force. Um, and if it's been architected well, um, you can get away with having subpar armor if you you know, pick up that damage resistance perk and dump a bunch of points into unarmed. You know, you can kind of find a way to finagle your way through um, without having to be as dependent on your gear stack. Yeah, and we each had kind of different uh, overall, I think, play experiences in the genre, like, or in, in the series. Like, we both played the PC version kind of around the same time. Uh, it would have been high school for me. Uh, and I still can hear the the guitar uh, that that uh, gothic guitar uh, strumming sound that was just uh, eerie and unsettling. It was sort of like nightmare world that Tristram uh, presented to you. And in the second game, it seemed like an expansion of that, but I never I didn't play it into the end game content of which there apparently was some. <laughs> some. um uh i mostly most of my experience has been with uh d3 really and it is probably in my opinion it's definitely the sort of like if you're to like compare them in a lineup it's definitely the black sheep of the three like it's it's in my opinion like the least like it's it's uh siblings um because it it decided to shift its um attention to the the uh the uh, equipment acquisition loop as being the primary thing that the game is about. So uh, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording and 
I think Rob, you had like a, a bunch of really good observations about what uh, play like po- quote unquote post gameplay was like in D2. Yeah. Well, anyone that was um, or is, I guess I should say no hate, uh, 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 you know, in deep with D2, the online content and the in-game content in the, the offline single player are pretty much two different games. Like all the same mechanics more or less exist. Uh, your character prog- progression is the same. All the chapters are the same, but um, the depth and breadth of the online gameplay was far, far deeper. Uh, there was uh, instantaneous events, randomized events. There were um, different levels that you could warp to, like the cow level, the insanity levels. Um, there was an entire online community based around uh, being able to like rapidly level uh, new characters that were coming in. Um, and you would find a good community that had a you know, a broad range of character sets and they would kind of run you through the ropes, get you up to speed, get you up to a high enough level where you can start running people independently. And then the, you had a very kind of simple exchange of, I'm going to help you run through the game and rapidly level your character. And you are going to give me all of your best drops. And, uh, that honestly, that boiled down to, um, you know, in the level 80s and 90s is picking up runes. Runes were the most valuable community online um, for making rune uh, rune word armor and rune word weapons. Oh, interesting. And that was that was the name of the game. Like, I'll run through, I'll run you through Forge. I keep all of the runes that drop. I'll run you through Bale. I keep all of the runes that drop. Like, you can pick up gems. You can pick up armor. I don't I don't care. If any runes drop, you give them to me, or I am kicking you off of my server. First offense, and that <laughs> that was the currency uh, for real. Um, like my end character um, playing D two online uh, was a level I want to say ninety ish hammered in, and I mean I was running a full group. Uh, I want to say the limit was like 12 people that you could have following you. Oh, wow. Um, Conse- like concurrent, 12 concurrent people in a party? Right. On your server, if you were hosting and you were running them through the level. So I'd have like essentially tw- 11 little goslings running after me that were like level 1 through 10. Okay. Um, and then I was up there level 80 plus hammered in. And basically at every single stage, I'd be like, stand here, don't move. When I say move, move, and I'd run up, throw out hammers, slay everything, give them the okay, and then progress, and we'd go all the way through bail like that. Mm. Oh yeah, for the uninitiated, uh, what is a hammerdin? Um, a hammerdin in D two was basically just a paladin that had thrown all of your stat points into the the holy hammer skill, uh, blessed hammer, I think it was, yeah. and it's associated buffs. Um, essentially you throw out a hammer, it spins around you, it circles you three or four times in expanding circle and then disappears. Depending on your cast speed, you can have any number of them floating around you in a tornado of magic hammers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was popularized because they dealt non-elemental magic damage um and it was insanely rare uh if ever it did actually occur that a, a creature had a pure magical resistance as opposed to an elemental resistance so they were one of the you know if you want to call it s tier um online uh pve characters that you could play and they were also pretty good pvp um but i think casters um sorceress and wizard or sorceress were pretty much the top tier for pvp as well as um the smite paladin build uh, which allowed you to just like continuously stun and brutalize a single target which Mm. was great for bosses um but obviously because you're not doing a lot of uh, crowd control it could be tricky if you're getting ganged up on whereas the the hammered in was pretty much pure pve crowd control you just spin out a tornado of destruction and anything that wanders into it is basically boned yeah that yeah that that uh like that principle is pr- uh i feel like they definitely have fall through with a lot of that in D- in d3 like at least the concept of it like you're doing a lot of sort of aoe type uh bubbles depending on the different skills that you're using and so like the higher tier builds uh for characters in the season gameplay they all operate on those like kind of like um yeah like abilities that essentially cast in a a circle and so you're dotting a bunch of things at once um which is it's it's interesting because there's a lot clearly there's a lot of like uh gameplay parallels but they're just you know implemented differently i i do that is another thing you the the thing you brought up about like ability points is something that i remember uh much more about d2 that is obviously gone in d3 it's only level capped um but uh the the notion of having a finite currency in which you uh purchase your abilities and then like increase the value of the, those abilities by pumping more points into them in a uh, in d2 yeah when they when, obviously when they moved to the third the third game they took that away in favor of this more uh i guess call it like fluid uh character profile builder which is so interesting because it's like it's like the complete opposite direction of the first game like the like uh you were mentioning i mean like the first game you started out with like three quote unquote three class three classes um the wizard the paladin and the uh archer or rogue rogue i think it was called a rogue but yeah basically archer yeah um so you had like ranged magic range high agility and uh sword and board right uh sort of like default (laughs) D &D, uh archetypes yeah Um, core three the core three um and they're and uh but i i get i didn't really realize this you mentioned this earlier that they were just essentially like prefab starter uh stats that they that they actually you can just like change them essentially once you're off and running in the game yeah more or less um i i recall and again it's it's been a few years since i last played i would replayed it in college some seven or eight years ago um around the same time i was playing d2 mm. so uh, if my recollection is off 
Um, don't crucify me too hard, but um, I I remember playing through twice as uh, a rogue, mostly because having the ranged physical was just super advantageous for the game. Uh, you yeah. could kite uh, kite monsters if you there was a gate you could close. You could close them behind the gate. They wouldn't be able to open it, and you could just sit there and spam them through the gate. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, is is kind of your easiest way to cheese through. But mm-hmm. um, I distinctly remember being able to pick up pretty much any spell book and just learn the spell. And if I had the magic enough to cast it um, in terms of MP or mana, you were good to go. So there yeah. wasn't that restriction of, you know, you pick up a wizard spell book and it's class locked there. Right. I, I don't recall that being an obstacle. If you found it, you could learn it, and as long as you had enough points to cast it, that's really the only limitation you had. So it was a lot more fluid, um, kind of like the Dark Souls series, it, in a sense, where you just kind of have a starting inventory and a starting alignment, and then however you choose to build your character up um, is completely up to you. You know, it's kind of freeform. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but also, yeah. um, in terms of progression, it's I feel like now uh, similar to something like a, a Wizard of Legend or an Enter the Gungeon or a Dead Cells, where um, you're you're not necessarily a blank slate to begin with, but as you're progressing through this dungeon, you're just kind of making the best do with whatever it is that you find laying around. Yeah, and in in D three for the most part, it feels like the only things that they really obviously because you're not picking up items to learn. Uh, excuse me, not items. If you're not picking up spell books necessarily to learn uh, skills, um, the the gear itself becomes a thing. Like you can't wear a paladin's, you know, uh, you know, if you're a necromancer, you can't you can't wear a you can't use a paladin specific item. So like, right. if it's, you know, like a sword or something like that right. and vice versa. Um, I think the one thing that you can do to kind of get around some of that is like doing the, uh, Herodric, uh, ability extractions where you like, you know, you use the cube to take an item and extract its, its, uh, ability and add it to your own. Um, but those, I think those are on neutral items. I don't think they're on uh, class specific items. So, yeah, you got me on that one. Uh, I did not get a lot of use out of their um, the new Herodric cube. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I used it a handful of times to like convert materials, essentially, to higher tier materials. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I didn't get a lot of tr- uh, a, a lot of mileage out of it. That was one of the things that I felt like they tried to carry over from d2 because it was such an awesome you know iconic pivotal item to have in d2 yeah um but their execution to me felt a little flat like i i barely got any mileage out of it at all in d3 and in d2 that thing was invaluable like not a session by where i wasn't smacking the hell out of that thing yeah it seemed like a much more uh uh yeah invaluable or just like yeah it just seemed like a much more like 
an item in the game that you just regularly got use out of and could take advantage of. And in the newer game, if you're not playing the post-game content, which is Rift Rift running, right. um, doing greater rifts and things like that in groups uh, to get um, you know legendary gems and stuff like that if you're not doing those sorts of things in the game the cube is largely uh it is largely just window dressing so if you're just playing Mm -hmm. you know story mode or something like that or even the basic adventure mode which just you know kind of lets you go through any of the stages um you probably won't get the same uh value out of because it it requires so many special materials to activate and you only really can collect on those in, I mean, you can get them, but you really only get them by playing in higher tier stuff and you get the largest caches of them by playing in the rifts. So it's like this, it's like this like self-feeding object. Like you can only enjoy higher tier stuff if you play, <laughs> play higher, if your goal is to play into that uh, higher tier post-game content. Yeah. And, that may just be a byproduct of my experience since um, I played through the campaign on D3 twice, mm-hmm. um, but I never really got deep into the online gameplay um, the way that I did with uh, with D2. Um, not that I didn't have a lot of fun playing D3. Um, you know, I was playing the campaign to kind of get my feet wet and see if it's something I wanted to dedicate time to playing. Um, online and yeah. you know mostly just laziness i never really got around to doing that but i i imagine that it would be a more fulfilling journey um the same way that d2 was and d2 had that um that kind of separation where the the campaign um had a much smaller scope than the online gameplay and the the community and the added gameplay that you got out of the online version of the game is really what made it great. And the reason that I played it so much. Mm. Um, so maybe it's something I need to, I need to go back and revisit. I, I would totally recommend it. I think that it's strength as much of a like tone departure. The game is from the other two. Like it's definitely my feeling about it is much more of an arcadey, style game especially on console that that feeling is even greatly even more greatly exaggerated due to the uh, twin stick configuration of how you move and uh attack um the game feels like it hits its stride when you're playing in the seasons and i think as a i think it's sort of interesting because it felt like the lore part of the game was much more um integral in the or like integrated in the first two titles and the lore in the second one kind of takes a backseat for this other thing and um you know they obviously like blizzard went through this huge uh design cycle where they kind of rebooted a lot of the systems in the game and now now that they've sort of embraced this new form that it's in they really have tried to optimize the fun in playing it in its form if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense so instead of like trying to reverse engineer a d2 successor or you know like a true spiritual d2 successor Mm -hmm. 
um, they're like, okay, well, this is the game we have. How can we make this as uh, engaging as possible for this type of gameplay? And all of the things that they've built into the season play, I think really over the years, like I, I, I don't know what patch number we're at, but we're at season 19 right now as of, as of this recording here in 2019, the year of our Lord. Um, <laughs> they really have like, from the first time I've played it to the, this last season where I actually completed uh, the chapter quests uh, or the, uh, the uh, season quests, um, it, it feels, it almost feels like a different game. Like, uh, you know, cause when they first had it, it was like, it was kind of bland and it was a little, if I think it was just unsure of itself. And I think they tried to take this big leap in how the game would function. So you're not like dependent on things like, you know, you're not like buying a million potions every time you go to town or whatever, or town scrolls or scrolls of identify, you know, there's all these like small consumable things that were hugely a part of early gameplay in like Diablo one and two. And in three, there's almost zero like, uh, uh, item use to like mitigate damage or, you know, learn what, what unidentified object you have in your bag. Yeah. They they really went out of their way to streamline a bunch of stuff, um, and that streamlining, uh, a lot of it I really really liked, um, like getting rid of a lot of those single use consumables, mm-hmm. made things feel a lot uh, a lot more smooth to play through. Um, the level progression system in terms of your skills was really nice to be able to just like reallocate um, your, your skill slots whenever you wanted to without really having to worry about, um, you know, essentially in D2, you were locked in as soon as you, you spent your point. So you, you would sit down before you even created your character and meticulously map out your entire progression. Yeah. So, they got, you know, did away with that. That felt really nice. Um, a lot of the targeting and map interactivity is much, much more streamlined than it was um, in D1 or D2. So they did a lot of things that I thought were good. Um, but there, anytime that you take something as complicated as like the D2 progression system and turn it into something like the D3 progression system you lose something and yeah that's there you always kind of have that give and take of do i make this easier or more accessible or more streamlined how much of the complexity that makes this fun or interesting am i willing to sacrifice to do that Uh, because that is kind of the cost of laziness and I think that they did a good job overall. Um, I do miss how intricate a lot of the skill progression systems were from D2, where yeah. you had you know passive skills that would buff your active skills and other active skills that would buff other skills. Like there was so much interoperability um, that made creating an optimized build or creating a heavy build. Um, a, you know, this is a fun puzzle to work out mm-hmm. and I feel like you lose a little bit of that, um, with the new system where you can just kind of like respec whenever you want and ev- everything 
works well and you can still find a build that is powerful Mm -hmm. um, but it it doesn't feel as rewarding as picking through the skill tree and being like oh if i dump a couple points into this and then i spend most of my points here and i can pop a couple of these passive skills and you know finding those loopholes finding those tweaks um that you can kind of uh dedicate yourself to and eventually hopefully break the game which is all of our goals right <laughs> yeah yes to take to take advantage and luckily like uh you know for even though i have invested a lot of time in the game over the years uh over the last few years um luckily like when i took on the project of trying to do a season challenge on my own essentially solo like i looked to the community guides that were out there to help like okay what how can i like essentially look for a speed run i want to figure out how i can like optimize the character and equipment that i get to best meet these goals but also like kind of do it on my own terms like i'm gonna i'm not i didn't pick like an there's there's a few people have like quote-unquote tier classes for each of the qualities of the builds and i didn't necessarily pick like an a or an s class type build it was just kind of like a b build but it it was so effective and the knowledge that the community just gives away about how to do something like that like oh do you really enjoy necromancer here is here's a template for a necromancer build these are the skills that you'll want to have this is kind of the you know once you reach this level you'll want to switch to a different profile and this is why um so there are some of those rewards but i totally agree like not being the feeling the permanent feeling of investing those points and that uh, result, I think does kind of feel like you're fashioning something a lot more um, unique. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do kind of lament the loss of that where, you know, it's fun to respec. Um, but, you know, like you said, or, you know, like, like we kind of said before, like, because this, because the third game is such a, departure it um you know it it seems like that would probably for the for as streamlined as everything else is if they had if they had added that as a as the only restriction in the current game i imagine it would have made it a little less compelling because it would have felt like well you've let me do all these other things you know what i mean for for free basically how come i can't do this yeah and you know there's there's a lot of give and take to be had there and a lot of um what aboutism you know if you if we'd done this this way or you done that that way like this could have been better or that could have been better i think that the the product that we're left with ultimately is a good product at least in my experience i had fun playing it yeah. um i didn't follow any build guides i mm-hmm. just, just went started, for it yeah i just went for it. i started game played through the game invested in skills that I liked, uh, tuned my character to my play style, which is mm-hmm. uh, typically a good offense is your best defense, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to their credit, uh, even without the complexity of the build system, uh, you don't have to min-max, you don't have to optimize, you don't have to do any of those things to have fun and play successfully, where um, in D2... There were, I'd say, maybe half a dozen very specific builds with specific equipment that could really get you through 
some of the late game content. And if you weren't going for one of those few top tier builds, you were kind of screwed. Like it, it wasn't impossible, but close enough. Like if you weren't playing one of these uh, handful of perfectly optimized sets, if you tried to go into like an insanity rift, good luck. Like you're kind of on your own. If you found yeah. a, a randomly spawned um, walking Diablo, you're probably gonna get crushed. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I I like that there is that accessibility in the system that they built up. Um, that you can kind of just play however you want to play. You don't have to worry as much about uh, is this perfectly optimized? Is you know X Y and Z? Um, but you know, it's, it's in spirit, it does kind of feel like a departure for me from, um, the D2 gameplay where not only did the game feel a lot more terrifying and claustrophobic and difficult, but if you didn't make good choices about your character build, those choices were, lasting and painful so yeah there was definitely a lot to be said um for having a uh, a strategy that wasn't just well i like to play as x and do y it was like well i need to beat this game so i'm going to yeah. build a character that is going to get me that through there. suitably do that yeah right so it's i get and I enjoy um, the direction that they took it. Um, there's always going to be things where you're kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I miss this about the old system. And this feels like kind of a departure in tone and gameplay. And it, it, it had all of those things, um, but it had a lot of good things to offer as well. And honestly, being able to play it more casually um, has been super fun for me because mm. uh, I don't have a lot of time to game anymore yeah. so I, I know i can just kind of like spin it up pick a character crank the difficulty up until it hurts a little bit um and be on my way and I'm, i don't have to go to an online community to find which builds quote unquote work for this game yeah um, I, I don't need to sweat and nag and nitpick every little piece of equipment and skill that i get so if the experience of d2 is one that you were really deeply invested in. And that's the, the style of game that you were looking for. I think that this would be um, a little lackluster, but for the casual, um, the casual observer, the more casual gamer, I feel like this game is much more accessible um, to just drop in and play and it, it kind of does away with a lot more of that um, deep, archaic, stringent um, requirement. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a give and take. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, you would say, like, if that is the experience you want, like, if you want to play uh, an RPG loot grinder mm-hmm. and you want to do it casual, D3, hard to, hard to beat on Switch or... Or a PC, if that's your bag. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed the Switch port. I played it on PC first, um, and I had some apprehension about 
uh, a console port of a game like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a really good job with, uh, you know, kind of the directional based targeting and, um, you know, auto or assistive um, targeting. The the AI that they built for that was excellent. Um, so it didn't really feel like uh, any loss of control uh, to not have the mouse to kind of pinpoint where you want your attacks to pop or which enemy you're targeting. Um, it was very streamlined. So I was pretty impressed with the way that they were able to, to put that together. I didn't think that this type of game um, would translate well, to be honest with, you know, you have your belt, you have your skill um, hotkeys. You typically uh, aim with the mouse, move with the keyboard um, it seemed like there was too many things to be able to map effectively into a controller, but sure. I, I think they did a great job. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I mean, that is our oral history of the Diablo series. You said oral. <laughs> oh God, here we go. Uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you dear listeners for, uh, coming with us, uh, on a trip, uh, from, the greatest hits, one of the greatest hits uh, of our, of our, I guess, youth up to now. <laughs> I mean, it's been with us for, uh, I want to, I want to say we played it probably around 96 or 97 was the first Diablo. So yeah, um, we've been jamming on Diablo for two, two decades. Oh God. That Plus, hurts. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. That's terrifying. But it's been good. It's been fun. It has. It has been fun. Uh, you know, the the D one experience was a very different game than anything I'd ever played. Uh, D two mm-hmm. was a great follow up to that game. I spent an untold number of hours, literally, because I'll never be able to find out, um, playing both the campaign and the online. Um, and I really only picked up D3 a few years ago and played through on PC and was kind of like, eh, it's all right. But, I, you know, I don't know if I'd invest a lot of time into it. Uh, but now that I've played it through on the Switch, I think I might um, actually go and try and run through some of these seasons. You're, you're proselytizing effectively. Excellent. Well, I, I think the, uh, the seasons are definitely where it's at and uh are the most uh rewarding and fun and especially if it's something where you got like you know like 15 minutes here and there to like knock out a you know knock out a quick rift run it's totally doable it's easy to hop in get queued up with people and uh yeah um i would i would i would definitely say it's the uh, epitome of this uh this 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 uh form that uh, Diablo has taken. <laughs> uh, you know how much I like quickies. Oh man, it's, it's just such a good a good target of time. Ten, well, fifteen see. minutes, knock her out. <laughs> so terrible. All right. Well, uh, I think I think that's it, though. Yeah. So that is uh, that is our <laughs> that is our uh, recollection, past and future, or past and present. We're not predicting the future. They've got oh, a mobile dude. game coming out. I'm not going to worry about Eternal's it. coming, dude. You don't want to play well, Diablo Eternal, dude. Uh, I, it's going to be don't... on your phone, dude. No. You can play it anywhere you go, dude. I just... Yeah, I... 
you know, if they can make something that's like that, not garbage. Yeah, like that's that's it's it sounds cynical, but I feel like if they can make something <laughs> that doesn't, and it is cynical, if they can make something that's not horseshit, I'll be impressed. <laughs> like, well, yeah, we'll we'll both be uh, pleasantly delighted. surprised when it's yeah. not just a flaming pile of poop. It's received a lot of backlash, and I think rightfully so. The 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 sort of like community that plays Blizzard games are dominantly PC owners, and secondarily console owners. And it seems like a strange thing to like. I understand it. Like mobile is like this market that everybody's trying to crack the nut on, but I I just don't think that. Like I, my worry is that that Diablo Eternal will end up feeling like the other clones that exist already on Android and iPhone. Like there are plenty of like clone Diablo games out there, and sure. they're just okay. Like it's not that fun. Yeah, I you know I I don't know that it's so much the the community of gamers, i.e. PC gamers as much as it is the restrictions of the platform. Sure. Um, like me personally, I just don't see myself playing something like a dungeon crawler on a five and a half or six inch screen. You know, like my eyesight yeah. is okay as is. I don't need that. And yeah, you don't need to squint. Yeah. And like, like I was saying earlier with how, um, the mapping hurdle going from a keyboard mouse setup to a controller layout was an impressive hat trick just to get it that far. Now you're going to limit it to a touch screen. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a severely limited experience. I don't think anybody has any, you know, illusions about that, but uh, I also don't, I like, with the exception of like one or two mobile games, I have not seen this type of game uh, implemented in a way that was like as compelling as the console or uh, PC edition of the title. Sure. And I, yeah, I, I don't mean to be such a Debbie downer about it, but it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't, it does not seem like a bright future to me to be forced to enjoy the latest uh, Diablo on a, uh, on a, on a cell phone. I, you know, from my perspective, being um, a gamer since the original Nintendo slash PC we had at the time, mm-hmm. um, I don't play mobile games pretty much at all the only time i play in uh a game on my phone is if i'm on the rtd for 30 or 45 minutes if i'm on an airplane and i don't have my switch with me which i pretty much always do if i'm traveling yeah. um, and even at that i have a lovely suite of emulators that i play with um, a Bluetooth controller because the touchscreen controls suck. Even on the emulators, they suck. Yeah. And I've tried playing dozens of different mobile games that are actual mobile games, not the emulators. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I, you know, nothing's just really done it for me. And I don't know if it's a restriction of the platform or the games that I've played are, you know, not the best or, uh, you know, any combination of factors, but it has just not been a platform that I've been willing to stick with to play video games on at all. Um, and the only times that I've found myself enjoying the games that I playing, uh, I've been playing have been A, emulators, and B, with an external controller, because touchscreen controls suck. So yeah. taking something as rich and complex as Diablo and trying to fit fit it into a box that I already see as being not a good gaming platform, period. Yeah. It's tough, though. It, it's a tough sell. They could completely surprise me, and I will remain cautiously optimistic of that, but I just pragmatically don't see it happening. Yeah. It is true. It is true. Well, we wish the engineer software team the, the best efforts. Godspeed to you. <laughs> don't be the next Fallout 76, guys. Don't be that, yeah. Don't pull a Todd. Don't be that Ooh. guy. Ooh, nobody likes Todd. Nobody likes him. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, spending some time with us, uh, listening to our uh, extol the greatness that is the Lord of Darkness trilogy. Uh, we hope for future installments. Obviously, Blizzard, if you're if you ever listen to this, please make a fourth Diablo game that's not mobile, because uh, we'll play it. As our our time record shows, we will definitely play that shit. I- there's money to be had. We have that money. Please give us a reason to spend it. That's right. All right. Uh, we'll give. I'll uh, provide some links in uh, in the show notes about uh, where you can get uh, copies of the Diablo series, and if you're looking to do a build, where to do that. And uh, Rob, thanks for being on the show this week, and uh, thank you, dear listeners, for playing along with us. My pleasure. <laughs>